Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up Inspiring Health Stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm the founder and chief storyteller of TB Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and happiness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do if you haven't already hit subscribe on YouTube, turn on those notifications, and connect with me on LinkedIn because I'd love to stay connected with you. Now, it is springtime, that time of year we tend to talk about maybe a little vacation, even a retreat. Well, we're talking about just that today, but wellness retreats that use plant medicine or psychedelics. It's an interesting topic I've wanted to learn more about as there's been more research coming out on its benefits when it comes to healing, growth, expansion, and spirituality. So that is what Jonathan DePotter is talking about today. He went from the corporate world to burnout and then going on his own one-year sabbatical and now using what he's learned during that time and plant medicine to turn it into a whole new business helping others. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I'm so excited to meet for the first time virtually and get chatting with, introduce everybody to Jonathan DePotter, who is the founder and CEO of Behold Retreats. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tamika. It's a real pleasure to be here. So tell everyone where you're calling in from, where in the world you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the moment I'm in the uh, south of Thailand in a little island by the name of Koh Phangan, a uh, very kind of small and peaceful, conscious-oriented island. So it's been a great place to spend the last couple of years. Really, really cool. Um, so it's 10 o'clock in the night where at, at night where you are and 10 in the morning where I am <laughs> um, but it's awesome because we can be connected you know across oceans and at you know anyway via zoom and virtually so glad to be chatting with you um, tell me a little bit about how you ended up in Thailand first before we dive into you know your your work and uh, your company yeah, so um, you know, it all kind of ties together with uh, the topic at hand. But yeah. in essence, you know, I um, in 2017 I had lived and worked for five years in Hong Kong, uh, which is a pretty fast-paced city. You know, I lived there um, as a strategy and management consulting. You know, in the corporate world for for that duration, and um, you know, I was working very hard. So you know at work most days by 7 a.m., finishing work by 10 p.m., even later than that, and, mm. um, you know, chasing chasing the modern dream. And uh, so after, you know, five years in that grind of, you know, chasing the next client, chasing the next deal, chasing the next promotion, I just realized that in essence and, and ultimately there had to be more to life. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know where it was going to come from. Uh, and so, you know, as part of that, I decided to take a year off Going on a sabbatical, I read enough. in your bio. 
Yeah, I was lucky enough to attend a, a life-changing retreat in Peru. And then subsequent to that, you know, my priorities really shifted. So I did go back to the corporate world. Uh, and so that's what kind of was um, at the core of the motivation for the move to Thailand. Uh, so I really wanted to improve my patience. And I had the opportunity to establish uh, a new office for a global consulting firm in, uh, in Bangkok. So I, um, so I moved there for a few years. Okay, wait. All right, we got to go back for a second here. So five years on the grind. If you're like most of us or my listeners are here in the U.S., um, so if there's anything to compare that to, it would be like, you know, working in New York at a you know corporate type of job where you're putting in long hours. But it sounds like times five in Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe not times five, but it was, it was certainly it was certainly full on. And, um, you know, also in, in another opportunity or another thing in, in Asia is that because there's, you know, a less mature workforce, often foreigners who move into Asia for career opportunities are given, you know, quite a bit of responsibility quite quickly. And so, you know, ended up leading quite large teams. Uh, and so it was a, 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 a beautiful, but also intensive learning curve uh, during that time. Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. It's not something I ever thought about because I never worked there, but so there's a less mature workforce there. So they're, I guess, happy to have American workers over there yeah. to kind of lead. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of the the global multinational, you know, big corporations are obviously kind of headquartered or originated in the U.S. And so a lot of people tend to get kind of handpicked by the big multinational corporations and, and put into, you know, leadership roles or management roles and then given opportunities to move into leadership roles um, in, in kind Overseas. of foreign places, you know, across oh. Asia. So that is ultimately what happened to you, and that was attractive to you at the time. It was, you know, it was. Um, I actually had uh, two of my mentors um, left the company that we were working at together uh, in New Zealand, and so they were given, you know, quite sizable opportunities, and so I followed them uh, in uh, exploring exploring consulting and also uh, Hong Kong. Awesome. Okay, so you're doing this for five years or so, it sounds like. You get burnt out on that experience, and you decided to go, from what I read in your bio, on a one-year sabbatical. That's right. So I decided I'd never been to South America at the time, and so I spent you know, the first uh, six weeks of that year um, just hiking in the south of Patagonia, you know, beautiful mountains, et cetera, mm -hmm. and then was working my way north through South America. And um, you know, during that time, a couple of friends came and joined me, and we went to a retreat in Peru, which was my first ayahuasca retreat, which was very challenging, but also, you know, eye-opening and, and uh, opened the door to spirituality for me as well. I'm so interested by what you're doing now, because it sounds like it was totally fueled by this one year you had um, to kind of take it and go on this experience. Like, what led you to find those things? Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, I just remember during that time that I just, I just felt in the core of my being that I knew there had to be something more to life. Uh, I was actually an atheist at the time, so I wasn't spiritual. Uh, come from very hippie parents, very open-minded parents, but uh, I kind of you know went in the other direction. 
Um, and so I just wanted something new, something novel um, that I that I hadn't done before. And I, you know, heard really good things about you know the beauty of nature in South America in particular. And so that really um, attracted me. And um, you know, I wanted it to be an adventure. Uh, I didn't really have anything too specific in mind. I was more curious to or curious and motivated to establish a bit of an opening, a bit of a void if you will, in my life to see what would naturally come into that space. So the first six months of that was travel. Uh, then I wound up at this retreat, as I mentioned before, which was, you know, uh, certainly you said, a, uh, you represents, difficult. yes, very difficult, but a pivotal moment. And, um, and then from there it was, you know, also kind of deciding what's next in terms of, do I return to the corporate world or what do I do with my life? And so I spent, uh, about, you know, three and a half years that followed doing my own work and understanding uh, the depths of this work um, before moving into it from a more professional perspective. Hmm. So for those who aren't familiar with an ayahuasca retreat, what is it? Yeah, so ayahuasca is a ancient, you know, ancient medicine from Central and South America. There are many different traditions, um, indigenous traditions that work with the medicine. And so ayahuasca itself is, um, is the combination of two plants. Confusingly, one of them is ayahuasca, the other one is uh, chikruna. Uh, and then it's often mixed with other plants as well. But, you know, in essence, it's, it's made of these two plants. And um, it's a very powerful medicine it reconnects mind, body, heart, and spirit in the ways that they should be um, connected. And it also has very powerful neurogenerative effects. So what that means is that it facilitates the growth of new neurons. And it also has strong uh, neuroplasticity effects, which is to say that it, um, it reconnects parts of the brain that normally do not exchange information. So if you look at your typical Westerner's brain, what you see is something that's actually highly compartmentalized. So that's to say that all regions of the brain are not interconnected in the ways that we would like to see um, in a in a you know fully functioning healthy brain, um, and that there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one is uh, intergenerational trauma, right? We're often passing trauma down through generations, and or we've had traumatic experiences early in our lives. Um, some of some of us some of us may remember some of those experiences. Others may have had those experiences but not be able to recall them. So they've actually been kind of uh, hidden away from our own everyday waking consciousness. Um, and so these, this medicine uh, helps us to reaccess and to be able to process and ultimately release um, some of these lower level traumas uh, that may have um, impacted our development. Uh, and so these medicines provide us you know, greater access to our subconscious to be able to um, release out these, these lower level emotions and to improve the quality of everyday experience. So you mentioned that there's a few reasons why Westerners' brains in particular are more compartmentalized and that uh, intergenerational trauma is one of them. What are some yeah. of the others? The others um, would be uh, overthinking. Um, so there's some great science from the National Science Foundation that shows that your typical person has between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day. Virtually all of those thoughts are egoic thoughts. So they're I, me, my. 95% of those thoughts are repetitive and 85% of those thoughts are negative. So we mm. think a lot only about ourselves, the same things and mostly bad things. And so that's the, that's the second piece that, you know, when we work with our clients, we try to really help them 
understand their negative patterns of mind. Um, and through this work and, you know, the benefits that I mentioned before in terms of neurogeneration and neuroplasticity, we can actually, you know, work on uh, rerouting uh, the patterns of minds. Um, and then the third thing I would say is uh, overwhelm, right? So I think we all have these days, you know, our brains didn't quite evolve to deal with the level of complexity that each of us is faced with on a daily basis um, in terms of just the sheer amount of choice that we're faced with, right? We've all got a thousand and one things to do for work. We have, you know, personal responsibilities. We've got family. We've got um, so many things that we're juggling in our minds. The brain starts to become a little bit patterned and deterministic, right? So we, we can't possibly meet the complexity of the outside world on its terms. And so what the brain starts to do is it starts to simplify things down. And so while that sounds like, you know, a um, positive adaptive response to manage the complexity, it's compartmentalizing as we spoke before. And so sometimes the example I give is, you know, we all know someone in our lives that if we were to present them some new information, we already know how they're going to respond to that information. That's the example of what we're talking about. You know, that's there. They've actually you know, the, the, the way in which new information travels through their brain is already determined. So they've actually lost the function of the brain itself, uh, if that's the case. Okay. You're blowing my mind right now. This is, this is really interesting. Like the way you're breaking this down is in a way that I've never heard before, or I maybe just haven't gotten as deep with it and how, so compartmentalization is mm -hmm. bad, right? It is. Okay. It is. You know, and this is if I if I one example that I sometimes give is you know in the modern paradigm you've got okay a guy who says I love my wife and on the other hand he's cheating on his wife. Now what that's an example of is two thoughts that are incongruent with one another, right? Those are two things that shouldn't be part of a single you know a single thought mechanism, and yet it is, and it's it is actually not entirely uncommon uh, and i give that as just one example of yeah. you know incongruent thoughts that actually can sit within a single consciousness and so these are two th thoughts that are actually stored in different parts of the brain uh, and so typically when people have an experience such as this uh, and everything is is being you know unified in consciousness then these sorts of inconsistencies need to be reconciled because it, you're you're being inconsistent with yourself and that's only going to cost you ultimately um when you're not being in alignment with self so is that because they're not connected or like you mentioned the neural pathways like and is that what it <laughs> it is yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you could look at it at the level of the physical or the level of the kind of the software of the brain. And in essence, you know, there's there's I guess through this experience, there's this unification across uh, the mind that's taking place. And so people have can you know commonly have powerful realizations in relation in relation to childhood trauma, in relation to inconsistencies, in relation to um, opportunities to improve quality of life, because you know these medicines fundamentally what they're doing is they are harmonizing our mind, body, heart, and spirit to a single vibration, right? That's really what we're trying to do. And um, as that, uh, as the medicines are working, then it's uh, it's amplifying any lower level energies, lower level vibrations, right? So that could be any of the emotions that I rattled off before. 
Uh, and so that's our opportunity to process these lower level emotions um, gotcha. and to release them out from our energetic and, and physical body. And so when that's when that's being done, then the medicine is bringing us up into a higher and higher vibration. You mentioned specifically Westerners. Is, mm-hmm. is Are our brains different from others? Yeah, so um, it's actually it is, um, as part of this research that showed um, so it showed actually two two photos. On on one side, it showed um, a circle. Uh, when on the outside of the circle was representing all the different individual regions of the brain, and then there was these lines that were interconnecting the different parts from the outsides of the circle. And what you could see was that you know there was fundamentally there was a few regions that were connecting and and communicating very well with a few other regions of the brain, but most of the inside of the circle was completely white. Um, and now if you contrasted that with the next circle, which was showing the brain under the effect of psilocybin, and this was an MRI scan, um, it showed a much higher degree of interconnectivity. So many more regions of the brain were able to directly communicate with many more other regions of the brain. They also did the same scan on a Buddhist monk and, um, and someone you know, who had had 20 years meditation practice. Now the Buddhist monk, his, his brain looked much more like the Westerners' brain on under the effect of psilocybin than it did on than it did your typical Westerners' brain, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, and that's true. You know, that's obviously true, regardless of whether we're talking about Westerners or or you know people in Asia or from any part of the world. If they've got a twenty or thirty year meditation practice, then the brain is is very healthy. If you're living in a city and you know you've got a super busy schedule and you're running around all day. It's very likely that you've got a high degree of compartmentalization and um, you know suboptimal use of, of your neural pathways and, and ultimately your brain. See, this is so helpful and useful because I think people say I should do yoga or I need to meditate or these people don't understand why. And like hearing you explain it in this way as far as the compartmentalized parts of the brain and whether it's plant medicine or meditation or i'm sure there's you know other things that we could include in that list that would benefit you and the why and how it impacts the brain is i think sometimes the thing that's left out of the conversation Mm. and it's helpful for me to hear that um you know because i think you know those of us who (laughs) you know we want to understand why what are the answers like i don't want to just do a thing to because people say i should do a thing and it's going to help me feel better (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely you know the other the other reasons i would throw in there would be um number one um you know being able to connect more deeply with your higher self the elevation of consciousness right so whether that's through breath work meditation you you know plant medicine um, and, and then the other thing is um, developing a deeper mind, mind body connection. Um, and, you know, I think health is so energetic in its nature uh, and that when we eat the right food and, you know, do the yoga and take care of our bodies, then we can really um, improve the vibration uh, in, our, in our physical bodies. And not only that, there's, there's such a deeper connection that is able to form between mind and body. Our intuition comes very much from our heart. Um, and so, you know, to some degree, we understand this and in some degree we can tap into it, but actually tapping into that consciously versus it just happening, um, mm. you know, here and there when when things are important um, is very different. And so, you know, it's for, for a lot of people, developing that felt sense of intuition is also something that um, can provide a lot of benefits to quality of life. Mm. 
Okay, so it sounds like you've gone through a lot of personal change over the last five years that has impacted all areas of your life. Um, tell me what happened after this one year um, sabbatical, which I believe ended with the ayahuasca retreat. And I know you went, but I think you mentioned you went back to corporate America. But what eventually led you to saying goodbye to that, starting your own business? Um, and, you know, what did the rest of that path look like? Yeah, so actually, you know, that first retreat, I actually had a very challenging experience. I wasn't prepared for the experience. For me personally, it was very challenging physically. So, um, you know, I, I like to educate. So I'm going to give the full give the full rundown. I probably threw up about 150 times in the first ceremony. Uh, wow. So it was very physically challenging for me. I passed out probably close to 10 times. Um, and, you know, fundamentally, the brain was trying to reconnect to um, some early childhood traumas. Um, you know, I'm, I consider myself a pretty lucky person, very loving, protective parents. But there were some things there that happened at age four, age five that uh, were very traumatizing. And so the brain was trying to protect itself from re, I guess, from reconnecting and, and reliving uh, that experience. So that's why I was kind of uh, passing out. Um, and so this is, you know, part of my motivation for establishing Behold Retreats is very much because I recognize that people can be much better prepared for these experiences, much better guided and facilitated during, you know, the depths of what can be, you know, your most challenging and, and honestly your most vulnerable hour um, in, in doing this work. And so, um, and so, you know, the other aspect was that, you know, they were they were loving people, but they just didn't quite have the skills that were required in terms of the mental and the emotional. And and now I recognize some of the spiritual and energetic work as well. Um, and so I did, you know, the the first night was very challenging. Um, the second ceremony, I got you know more out of the work, and so I did end up leading leaving the retreat feeling like you know i had received some benefits um, but I, then i wasn't guided in the integration right so there was no help post retreat i was just kind of put out the door and i had these massive you know life-changing experiences and so you know i went back to the corporate world because i knew i wasn't ready to jump into this professionally i had to understand more um and so yeah when i had this opportunity to establish you know a new a new office in uh in in bangkok i thought okay that might be a good kind of intermediary step and so you know during that duration it was very much a period of um i would say decoupling my personal identity from my work identity before that you know my work identity and my personal identity were so intertwined um, so that was this period of kind of decoupling and then as i moved into um into this work uh about uh, two years ago now uh, then there was this kind of rejoining right so where the um the real sense of you know personal and identity and career identity you know purpose came back together and remerged. So that's been a very interesting and, and also beautiful process over the past 24 months or so. I love that. And only 24 months, like this has been a lot of change that's happened quickly. Yeah, yeah, so it's been, it's been good fun uh, establishing, <laughs> you know, the retreats and, and guiding clients. We've been very blessed, blessed thus far. So tell me about Behold Retreats, exactly what you do um, and kind of get into the the nitty gritty of how it works. Yeah, sure. So with most of our clients, we guide them through a seven week process. Um, and that includes a one week plant medicine retreat. We also do just plant medicine retreats. But for most of our clients, we help them get prepared for three weeks from home 
then it's a one week retreat and then they go and we guide them in the three weeks as they reintegrate back into you know normal daily life uh, and so for the three weeks prior what we typically do is help our clients get number one get them really clear on future self you know these medicines respond to intentionality so the more deeply we anchor around a understanding of our future self expectations and hopes and dreams for our future self then the medicine can show us what needs to be true in order to be able to achieve uh, those things uh, and then we work with our clients to help them surface the mental and emotional blind spots right so what are the patterns of mind that are keeping you from that future self today and, and what are some of the emotions that um, that you're experiencing what are your triggers what's going on in your daily life your relationships your relationship to self and other um, and then we begin to you know either depending upon their needs a coach or a therapist we'll begin to work with them on a weekly basis to help them work through these things in preparation for uh, the work with the plant medicine so hopefully when that's done well people go into that experience really understanding what they're trying to rewire in their brain and what they're trying to release um, from their from their physical and energetic body. Uh, we work predominantly with three medicines, either psilocybin, which is kind of magic mushrooms, ayahuasca, or um, 5-MeO-DMT, which is the toad uh, you may have heard of. It's generally recognized as even, you know, four to six times more powerful than ayahuasca. We would do something like, you know, two to four ceremonies over the course of a week, which is you know, quite a bit of work. Uh, and then post-retreat, we would... Um, uh, help them integrate the experience. So, you know, what is it you're going to do differently in everyday life? You know, how is this going to change how you care for yourself? How is this going to change how you relate to others? How is this going to change, you know, um, how you show up at work? Uh, do you still want to do the same things? All of these sorts of questions. And so then we also help clients, you know, re-anchor around future self. And then we teach them tools for manifestation. So how is it that you are no longer going to do the hustle and grind on the outside that actually attract what you want into your life from from the inside and reach the vibrational state of the things that you are looking to manifest into your experience. So who is this right for? <laughs> So a lot of our clients, I would say, are um, are professionals. But generally speaking, you know, people come with um, with three types of motivations. One is healing, right? So when we know that there's trauma and stuff, you know, overwhelm and stress, and um, the second I would say would just be growth or expansion, right? And so we get a lot of clients that are often in a period of transition. Maybe, you know, their career is no longer giving them the joy that it once did. Maybe they've just had a divorce, um, and so they're kind of entering a new chapter or you know maybe they're not able to attract um, the right partner into their lives and so they're they're trying to understand you know more deeply what it is that they need to change about themselves to be able to attract more more love into their lives uh, and then the third is more spiritual so people who really want to expand their consciousness and, uh, and go deeper in terms of their spiritual exploration how does it help high-powered you know professional individuals yeah sure well the, the place I would start to answer this question is actually that there's an interesting dynamic that I believe is playing out in the world, which is the most successful people, they require external validation in order to, to, to be made to feel whole, right? So there's this feeling of like, I'm not good enough. And a lot of people have that kind of sitting within them that I'm not good enough. And so when that when that's happening, we're, we're coming from a wounded place and then we're pushing ourselves out there into the world to prove to ourselves that we are good enough from external validation. 
And so, you know, these are the people, the people who end up as CEOs of big organizations are the people who have pushed themselves the hardest. They are the ones that require the most external validation, likely through school, through university, early in their career. And then that's what's ultimately uh, led them to push themselves harder than others to be able to achieve these massive things because they're just disconnected from themselves. Uh, And so often these can be the most challenging clients in terms of what they need to go through in order to reconnect with some of these things. And so, you know, while my experience would, I think, you know, be on the spectrum of um, more challenging, uh, it's very common for for those people who have had very prolific, successful careers to have more challenging experiences because they're very contracted and sometimes even very controlling in the way and uh, in which they're they're seeing things. And so there's a lot of work to be done to be able to help them release uh, that control, which is, you know, very, very central and fundamental to this work. So what about those who might hear this and they're familiar with psilocybin and ayahuasca and DMT you mentioned and say, well, this sounds like drugs. We have evidence of ancient wisdom traditions using sacrament, you know, plant medicine sacraments um, from virtually every continent in the globe. Uh, And so it was actually colonial forces, um, you know, through history that actually sought to wipe out these traditions. So when we hear about, you know, wiping out the shamans or the witches or, um, you know, some of the cultural elements of of these indigenous cultures around the world, I believe these medicines are neutral. Um, It's not that they're positive. It's not that they're negative. What I say to some of our clients is, you know, look at any psychedelic community and what you'll probably find is that it's not necessarily an example of the energy that you might like to reflect in your everyday life so it's not that plant medicines or psychedelics are inherently positive they're a very powerful tool that when we have the right intentionality and the right facilitation and expertise around them it's a very powerful tool for transformation what is something that you'd want, if, if there's one takeaway for somebody listening to this um, about behold retreats or plant medicines, what's one thing that you feel like most people don't know and you, you would really want them to ultimately take away? Yeah, I'm gonna share something that's a little bit far out there, but uh, but let's, why not? Let's swing for the fences. Let's do um, it. So, so, so through this work, yeah, what does become available is to recognize that the, the outside world, reality as we know it, isn't really actually real. It's all a byproduct of mind, you know? And I think we live in such an interesting time because I think we are finally coming to recognize that our fellow humans, some of them are seeing the world very differently than we are. And that's okay, right? Because the universe is being created through our minds. Um, and so there is just a single matrix of consciousness, which is, you know, in essence, what the matrix, the film is is referring to. There's a matrix of consciousness and our minds are, are a modulator for this matrix of consciousness, this hologram of consciousness. And so it's, it's just a modulation device for a single set of information. So each of us has an individuated um, filter for what the world is, uh, but actually, there is this unification that is available. You know, when we talk about um, non-duality, when we talk about, um, you know, the we are all one, uh, those are references to 
this understanding, this higher recognition, this universal truth that it's actually just one source of consciousness that is individuating and potentializing in each of us and in, as individuals. And our, our job here, whether it's through meditation, through plant medicine, through other contemplative practices, is to develop ourselves spiritually. Um, and, to, and, and to do so, we need to find the time and the motivation to give primacy to the inner world, right? And that we can create whatever we want through the inner world rather than um, paying attention to our senses, right? We've got all these beautiful, amazing senses that lend us to prioritize what's going on in the outside world. But that's the trick. That's the distraction. And so it's actually, it's all in here. And so the moment that we look for the source of consciousness and begin to ask the more difficult questions of who am I, what am I, where am I, when am I? These are when you know people are able to recognize more interesting things about the nature of the universe and ultimately themselves. So if someone's listening to this and maybe I'm one of those people and they're not quite ready for a plant medicine experience, I guess what would you say to, but someone who's curious, right? Like I, I'm hearing what you're saying um, want to learn more. Um, I usually ask for like a health tip or a wellness tip that, uh, you know, my guests either incorporate in their lives or something that is kind of actionable and people could kind of implement right away mm -hmm. that would maybe just benefit them in their day to day. So maybe I'm kind of tying in that question with this question as far as what would be kind of the right path if those questions are coming up for someone. Um, but they're not necessarily, hey, ready to dive in their, into the retreat quite yet. Yeah, I would, I would encourage people to um, look into breathwork and meditation. You know, breathwork to activate the mind, body, heart, and spirit in the ways that they can be. Uh, and then that's a really nice way to settle into uh, a meditation and to have, you know, a better chance at, uh, at some deeper breakthroughs during that meditation once you've done done some of that breath work. So that would be very much where I would encourage people to, um, you know, spend 30 or 30 or 40 minutes each day. Um, and, you know, if you do that consistently Woo! for a month Woo! and and that doesn't improve, like massively improve your quality of life, I would be very surprised. Wow. 30 to 45 minutes a day. We're just we're diving in right going all for it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Can't start with five or ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's yeah. I mean, you can you can do ten minutes. There's definitely benefits to ten minutes. But uh, look, I always say to people like we die alone and uh, we can't take the money with us, right? So um, it's it's the spiritual stuff that's going to matter. And so giving some, you know, lending some respect and some uh, some primacy to um, to that work is is something that I never could have believed myself saying five years ago, but that's that's the trick to life. I truly believe that. That's awesome. I love that. Tell everyone how they can learn more about Behold Retreats, connect with you, website, social media, all the good stuff. Yeah, come, uh, you can come and have a chat with us at uh, www.behold-retreats.com. Uh, there's no book now button on our website. You have to speak to a real human, which I know is a little bit old school, but uh, we like to get to know our clients and make sure that there's a, a mutual fit there. You know, we try to, um, you know, make sure that we're inviting those people that are ready for this work and that, um, that you know, we're the best suited to, to help. So if that's not the case, then we'll likely make some other recommendations for you. Uh, and you can also find us on Instagram at, uh, at, under, uh, at behold underscore retreats. 
Awesome. I love that. Is there anything else, Jonathan, that you wanted to add that I didn't ask you? No, it's been uh, it's been great, Tamika. You've asked great questions and uh, really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, thank you. No, this has been great. Honestly, I learned a lot, which is what I always at least aim for. And you taught me something new and something I'm definitely interested in learning more about and happy to help spread the word. So thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. I'm curious to know what you thought of that episode. So I'll tell you more about how you can let me know in just a minute. But maybe you want to connect with Jonathan, connect more with him, learn from him, do your own research on the subject matter. Just read more below in our show notes. I hope you enjoyed it and at least expanded your mind or way of thinking and opened your eyes to maybe something new or maybe not. Who knows? Anyways, Jonathan's information is all down below so is mine so make sure to connect with me i'd love for you to reach out on linkedin even here on the website shoot me an email or leave a review on apple Podcasts. i'd love to hear what you think of this episode and what you want to hear more of coming up because we come back each and every week so find me on youtube find me on linkedin i'm all the places again you could find that below i'd hate for you to miss out because we come back with new episodes each and every week So until I see you back next week, because I know I'll see you then, stay happy, stay healthy.